That's what you yeah. open. That's you open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter one. Uh, we will continue looking at the Magnificat in verses forty-six through fifty-five. We'll be focusing on verses fifty-one through 55, though, this morning, and uh, these these verses of Scripture called the Magnificat comes from a Latin word, means magnify. It's Mary's song of magnification of the Lord. She begins verse 46, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And Wednesday night, we looked at the first part of this song of Mary in verses 46 through 50, and today we're going to uh, focus on verses 51 through 55. But before we get into the Word, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity to study your Word, to look at your Word, and Lord, speak to us through your Word on this Christmas Eve, and Lord, uh, Help us to apply your word to our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit and help me, your unworthy servant, as I read and proclaim your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We'll begin once again in verse 46 and we'll read the entire song of Mary here, 46 to 55. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Amen. Uh, this song we looked at Wednesday night is a response to Elizabeth's praise that we looked at last Sunday in verses 42 through uh, 45. Remember, you go back in the early part of this chapter, in verses 26 through 38, where Mary received the news uh, that she was going to conceive and bear a son called Jesus. He will be the Son of God, even though she's a virgin. And she goes to see her cousin Elizabeth, who is filled with the Holy Spirit and speaks in a prophetic way about this child, uh, about that he that all that he's going to do. He refers to him as Lord, the mother of my Lord. And so what you see here in verses 46 through 55, this Mary's song or the Magnificat is a response to Elizabeth's song of praise 
that helped confirm to her, at least what Elizabeth said, confirmed to Mary uh, the message given to her by the angel that she would conceive a son and would bear the Messiah, the Son of God. And so these verses of Scripture we just read and that we looked at Wednesday night is Mary praising and magnifying God as her Savior, which she needed a Savior. She states that. Uh, and for choosing her to bear in her womb the Messiah. And in verse 50, she declares God's mercy is on all them that fear him from generation to generation. That is, for all his chosen ones, for all who have faith in him. And we're going to look at today at verses 51 through 55, where the focus changes from how God has blessed Mary, what he has done for her, uh, to what Messiah's coming means for all people. And she mentions, uh, what I, when looking at this, I see eight things, though you probably could summarize it as seven things, uh, but that God is, number one, God has shown his strength. Number two, God has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Number three, God has brought down the mighty. Number four, God has exalted the lowly. Number five, God has filled the hungry with good things. Number six, God has sent the rich empty away. Number seven, God has helped his servant Israel and number eight, which is tied in with number seven, you might could say there kind of could be just one point altogether. God has fulfilled his promises to Abraham. Now, I'm going to divide the, these eight things into three points, summarize them into three points this morning. Number one, God has shown his power. Now, you'll notice that Mary says this has happened. She doesn't say this is going to happen. She says this has happened. Why? Because if God's word says it's going to happen, it's as good as done. Uh, hell can't stop it. The devil can't stop it. And she states, God has shown his power. He hath showed strength with his arm, she states. The arm is a symbol of strength that you'll often see in the Bible. And how has God shown his strength here? In the Old Testament, God many times demonstrated, showed his almighty power. First, one of the first things I think of is in creation, in creating all things that were all creations of almighty God. A second one I think of is God showing forth his power and when he brought down justice upon that, those wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, sending down fire and brimstone and wiping out this evil city. Certainly had to be you know, just, uh, you know, just an almighty show of God's power. Number three, the flood. When man sinned against God, God showed his power by sending down rain and wiping out the human race except for Noah and his family. 
God's power is awesome, my friends. And then at the Red Sea, when Moses and the children of Israel were fleeing Egypt, here was coming the Egyptian army, and what did God do? He miraculously parted that sea. Now there's other, a whole bunch of other uh, places in the Old Testament where we can see God's almighty power. But how is he showing his power here? Well, it's not just evident at this moment. But Mary was speaking of how God was showing his power and speaking of her own virgin conception of the Messiah. Uh, It would go really unnoticed at that time except for a few people. Now we have an entire holiday celebrating it, don't we? Or at least believers should be. Uh, John Gill on this stated, in the business of the incarnation and in the working out of salvation for his people, which is done by his own arm, he is being mighty to save. God's power was being demonstrated that that he, he was coming to earth himself, God in the flesh. She is speaking of what God has done in her life. You know, there's a, a, a famous Christmas carol that I'm not going to try. Well, I guess you call it a Christmas carol. It's a modern one. Mary, did you know? You probably all of us have heard it. You know, and and it's a you know it's a beautiful little song. And but if you dig a little deeper into it and start listening to the lyrics, you have to come to the conclusion. Well, yes, she did know. <laughs> she actually did know. She may not knew all the Pacifics. But you read here in verses 46 through 55, yeah, Mary knew who Jesus was. She knew who that, who that child was in her womb. Now she probably, he, I don't believe she understood all the specifics that were going to happen. Nobody knew that until, except Jesus himself and God. We'd, and that would become more evident after the resurrection. But yes, she did know. God was by his mighty arm executing the plan of salvation is what Mary is stating here. A second thing that Mary is saying here is God's justice has come. Now, when we talk about salvation, we often like you talk about the mercy and grace of God. We often don't talk about the justice. You know, Mary's already show, talked about, spoke of God's mercy coming to her, and His mercy is on those who fear Him. But in the last part of verse 51 to 53, what does she state? He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. Uh, She's speaking of the coming, the justice of God coming because of the Christ child. Uh, He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts, or that is, the proud in their their inmost thoughts. The NIV states, He has put down the mighty from their seats, those who think they're so high and mighty, who think they're greater than everybody else. God has brought them down. And He is the one who exalts those who are lowly, he has filled the hungry. The rich he has sent empty 
away. The proud and the rich here that she's referring to is the wicked. The mighty, those wicked rulers like Herod, the Roman Caesars who ruled the world, the known world at that time, the corrupt religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, these who were more interested in power than the things of God. God is, has, justice is coming on has come upon them. Paul David Tripp states this, says the justice of God is already on the march. The world is moving toward that moment when injustice will be crushed forever. It's moving that way. It may not seem that way, my friends, when we see all the injustice going on in the world, but it's moving toward that way. Mary's declaring that now, that it's, Hey, it, it's coming upon them. She declares it is done, and it is done. And, hey, that's why you see continually throughout the New Testament there's a call to repent and believe upon the Messiah, to believe upon Christ, because justice is coming, my friends. One of the most uh, famous messianic psalms in the entire Bible is Psalm 2. Psalm chapter 2. Uh, written by David. And in Psalm 2, David speaks of the Messiah and the justice that's coming upon the world. He says in Psalm 2, Why do the heathen rage, or the nations rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cards from us. Hey, the, the kings and the rulers of this world, the leaders, hey, they take counsel against the Lord, against His word. Let's break His bands asunder. All these things that His word has to say. We, this is so... It, it just holds us down. Let's break it. Let's destroy this. Cast away their cords from us. But verse 4 states, Is God shaken by this? No. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. And let me stop here just a second. That word in verse 2, against his anointed, that's the Messiah. That is Christ that they're speaking against. Now continuing on in verse 7. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son. That is, give bow to the Son. 
lest he be angry and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all that put their trust in him. This is a warning to the nations of the earth from the word of God that King David wrote. The heathens may rage. You may see these people mocking Christ, mocking the truth of the word of God. We get angry and upset about this, but what does it say God does? He laughs at such attacks. God is not threatened by them. Justice is coming. It's a time for them to repent. And so many will not. Justice is coming, my friends. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 7 through 12, a Roman centurion comes to Jesus who has a servant who has the palsy and needs, needs uh, healing. And I'm beginning in verse 7 of Matthew 8. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he, do, he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus, it says, was marveled at the Romish Roman centurion's faith. He says, I haven't found this among my own people, among the Jews here. And then he makes that shocking statement, I'm sure, when he says that many shall come from the east and the west, referring to the Gentiles, referring to people like this Roman centurion who were not of Jewish blood, but who have the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they're going to sit in heaven with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob while the, king, while the children of the kingdom, these unbelievers, these religious leaders who were trusting in their own good works, trusting in uh, their pomp and, and their bloodline back to Abraham, they won't enter the kingdom. Justice will come. In Luke, oh no, excuse me, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus stated, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Who will be filled? Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then you go back to Luke, and this time to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verses 24 and 25. Jesus states, But woe unto you that are rich! 
for you receive your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for you shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. You can become envious of all these people who seem to have everything in this life. The Bill Gates, the Elon Musk. And you see them traveling on private jets. And they don't have no financial worries. They don't have no, even their health. I mean, if they have health problems, they don't have to worry about the insurance. I mean, they can afford it even if they don't have the insurance. And they and, and there 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 and, and there's so many who are in love with the riches of this world. But it's going to come to nothing. Don't be envious of them. Those whose God is this world and worship wealth are going to be brought down. Uh, the ones who won't be are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, who are his children. Uh, so many today here on of this Lord's Day, Christmas Eve. Uh, you know, you can look to see how many people are here today. Now you go to a place I work right now. With it pouring down rain, you can probably, can't hardly get out there. Same people who say, boy, it's just raining day. I can't make it to church. Mm -hmm. They can make it to Walmart to worship their God there. The things of this world, the buy and merchandise. Mm -hmm. It's all going to come to nothing someday. God is not mocked. What Mary is stating here is that those who, who trust in their own riches, those who lift themselves up. Oh, I know we got corrupt politicians. Their day's coming, folks, if they don't repent. Those who are trampling on the poor, those who care nothing about God, their day is coming they do not repent and turn to Christ. And then the third thing that Mary mentions here is that God has fulfilled His prophecies. That's mentioned in the Old Testament. Uh, God has helped His servant Israel in remembering His mercy. God uh, had promised a Messiah. I think we've already looked at this in, in the Old Testament. A Messiah throughout the Old Testament. Go back to Genesis three fifteen. Uh, we can look at this. He uh, and he has God has dealt mercifully with his people, and then she she states what he's promised to Abraham and his seed forever. You go back to Genesis chapter twelve. Genesis chapter twelve. And as you're turning out, you know, it is amazing. This, I will remind you that this is a teenage girl speaking all of this. Mary had truly been instructed in the Word of God. She was truly a godly young lady. And, and in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all nation families of the earth be blessed. Now go to chapter 17. In verse 19 here in Genesis, 
And what did what did uh, God tell Abram, Abraham? And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Now go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. Get my page unstuck here. Verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And then notice verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye what? Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. God's doing great things here. He's fulfilled His promise to Abraham and his seed forever. And look, who are the true children of Abraham? My friends, it's not the, those who are bloodline kin to Abraham. That was the mistake of those of Jesus' day and Paul's day thinking this. It's those who have the faith of Abraham. So when you read Genesis 12 and you read that these promises made to Abraham, don't think of this as us, Old Testament stuff referring to you know, modern day Israel and Israel. And all. No, it's referring to those who have faith, the faith of Abraham. Remember that children's song you sing vacation Bible school, Father Abraham had many sons and I'm one of them and so are you. There's a theological truth for believers right there. We are children of Abraham by faith in Christ. Uh, Mary is speaking of us here who have faith in Christ. Uh, look, John, John the Baptist in John and Luke chapter 3 in verses 7 and 8. What did he say to that generation that was trusting in their bloodline to get them to heaven? Trusting in their good works? You know, then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able those stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And guess what? He has raised up children of Abraham mm -hmm. through Christ. Through Christ. In the Virgin's Mary song, she is declaring the truth about God and His salvation, my friends. What a beautiful truth she speaks here. Uh, in the Advent carol or Christmas carol, O come, O come, Emmanuel, it reads, O come, O come, Emmanuel, 
and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. He has come, my friends. He came and the world didn't recognize Him. And He has, he has, rec he has ransomed His chosen at the cross. Our exile from God ended at the empty tomb. We can give glory to Christ on this Christmas Eve for all the work He has done and not just today, but each and every day of the year. Let's never forget what Christ has done for us in salvation. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we, we thank You, Lord, for the salvation we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we thank You for these words that the Virgin Mary spoke and may, Lord, we meditate on them and think on them, Lord, on this day of what Christ has done for us, what you have done for us through Christ, Lord, and help us to tell others about this great news to this world that is dead in trespasses and sins. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.